Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, FTS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in true crime. I'm not a coffee drinker, as you all know, and I said, let, my, let me get myself a cup of coffee, because it was a long day, and then I was jittery as could be, and of course, coming along with those jitters were some real tech issues, so that's why we were a couple of minutes late. Lorna McKenzie says, Ryan is back. Hey, Ryan. Ha ha, COE. Woo hoo, hi all. So, a couple things. Uh, we are obviously going to continue. Uh, we have Ryan back here because on the Charlie Adelson jailhouse tapes that we're going to listen to momentarily, he's talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and other friends and former friends. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's already shaking his head. The top right corner, you've got Dr. Jason Lipoff. He is a uh, periodontist or went to dental school. I don't know if you're a periodontist. You're a pediatric, pediatric. Dentist. pediatric dentist, correct. Um, that's an amazing talent to be a pediatric dentist because I would uh, never survive more than a day. Being a, I can barely be around my own children. So the fact that you're around other children and their teeth. No, by the way, Jason Lipoff, I was just having this conversation. What grades do kids now start getting their braces? This is very vital. Uh, as early as third, fourth grade, all the way up to seventh, eighth grade, just depending on the situation of their teeth. Hmm. To make it uh, sure. My, yeah. Well, that's going to be another payment. My daughter's in fourth, soon to be fifth, fifth grade, another bill coming my way. Tammy says, Charlie talking smack about Ryan. So, the most civilized man by far on this panel is uh, Richard Gabriel. Since 1985, he's been a leader in the field of jury research, jury selection, and litigation communication with experience in more than 1,500 trials in both the civil and criminal arenas across the country. You may have heard of some of the cases he's handled. Aaron Hernandez, Casey Anthony, O.J. Simpson. Ever hear O.J.? Phil Spector, Enron, Whitewater. Kwame Kilpatrick, the uh, former disgraced Detroit mayor, Heidi Fleiss, the woman who had uh, the madam. She had people working for her, doing things. Uh, Richards, Gabriel, uh, is also, uh, Richard is also, I don't know why I said Richard, the author of Acquittal, an insider reveals the stories and strategies behind today's most infamous verdicts. And he's also the co-author of Jury Selection. Um, both Richard and Ryan have somewhat limited time, although I'm going to stretch it to the limit. Uh, but uh, Richard, I was interested in having you on because these phone calls from Charlie, and I'm assuming Donna's calls are eventually going to be released since she's in jail. Um, they're going to be able to be used in a future trial, potentially with Donna, potentially with Wendy, potentially with Harvey. They're wild calls. Um, with not a lot of discretion. What do you think of this uh, in, in terms of your job as a future jury consultant for these people? Well, you know, as a lawyer, a lot of times you are saying to your clients who are in prison, look, you know, please keep it real limited, keep it very general, don't say a whole lot because it can be used. And you know you're being recorded. It's at the very beginning of the session. They say this is being recorded uh, and, it's, and it's not a private call. Uh, but that being said, the with a lot of defendants, it's not a problem, but they are 
isolated they are, and they they feel like they need to communicate. And so they oftentimes sometimes don't heed their lawyer's advice. And they sometimes start talking. And, you know, although some of the things you can explain away, obviously some of the calls just have, you know, Charlie talking a little bit about how he can't believe how some of the trial was playing out and stuff like that. Um, but there can be nuances to sometimes the the discussions where they can not necessarily outright admit stuff, but that can give a prosecutor a different lead and can give them an indication of things. And so it it it's it's always problematic. Hmm. By the way, I just want to mention uh, you can obviously support the podcast via Patreon or YouTube. If you're in the car, please listen on the audio platforms, i.e. Spotify, Audible, Apple, and please give us five-star re- reviews. You have no idea how far that goes. Uh, you can get merchandise, believe it or not, a shirt. No hats yet, but shirts and other things that the COE put together. Uh, last night, by the way, was that Jaffco event. Uh, it was amazing. Ruth spoke, Dennis Murphy from Dateline NBC. Mm-hmm. Dave Arenberg, the state attorney out of Palm Beach County, was there and spoke as well. And we are going to have that for you next week during the holidays. Next Wednesday, a week from when the event took place, uh, we will have it. We recorded it, and it will go out as a show uh, next Wednesday. So no one will miss anything. You will hear all of Ruth Markell's, uh, her entire keynote speech, and uh, it'll be amazing. Joel, I think you froze. Ooh. Am I frozen, everyone? For some reason, I don't know. Are you guys not getting Joel, <laughs> Ryan? You are not frozen. Oh, there you the go. Moment. Are you there? Am I good? Now you're good. All right. Having a little Wi-Fi problem tonight. Uh, don't get it. Don't fully understand it. But uh, as long as you're seeing me, we're good. So I was saying we're going to put the Jaffco event up uh, next Wednesday, Monday night. Not everyone's got uh, friends and family. Um, so Carmen and I decided we're going to do a live Christmas show it's called Christmas with Carm, even though she's Jewish. But you do Christmas with Carm on Monday night, live uh, show. And then the following night, we've got someone from the Adelson Inside Circle. Grew up with them. It's going to uh, lay out what he knows about the Adelsons. And tomorrow, we are doing Brian Koberger. Uh, we are pivoting off of this. And also, I'm interviewing... Uh, the only person to interview Scott Peterson in prison in San Quentin on death row, and she wrote a book about it. Her name is Donna Thomas. That will air next week as well as well as some other really fascinating stories that are outside the Markel Adelson purview. Without further ado, let's rip off the Band-Aid here. Ryan Fitzpatrick from Beautiful Waterfall. Ask Ryan if he's heard the Charlie calls where he describes Ryan's alleged crimes um what do you think right oh you have to unmute yourself sorry we're having problems all over the place um i've tried to listen to them as little as possible um you know i've I've spent enough time i've heard all the stories i've heard all his complaints i've heard them repetitiously to the point where it's just nauseating and no i don't want to listen to him anymore um he's a lot of the reason he's in uh, the situation he's in is because he wouldn't shut his mouth. And, you know, Charlie could say whatever he wants to say about me. He filed a complaint against myself and others. It has been dismissed. So, I, you know, I almost wish there was a double jeopardy rule in civil litigation. But he could go sue a ham sandwich for all I care. He's not going to – I didn't do anything wrong. It was found by the courts. So good luck to him. 
entertain himself. I don't care. Like, yeah. Uh, RF Malone, question for Joel or the COE. Any possibility that you'll have Jeff Lacasse on the panel? We are trying. Uh, he's not really talking to anyone, but we are in contact uh, with people that know him well. And I am working on it. And I'm hoping that he does come out and speak. Um, I think his issue or concern is that he could be called again as a witness. And I don't know that he wants to talk to the media um, prior to that. So we will see. Uh, Dr. Jay Lipoff, remind everyone how you know Charlie and uh, what about these calls? What what do you think of them um, after the, you know, they're obviously coming after the conviction, post-conviction calls to his mom, Donna. The guy really can't seem to keep his mouth closed. People said that he repeats things, but it's unbelievable. Yeah. So I went to, I went to dental school with uh, Charlie and uh, we were friend, friends during dental school. Listening to those calls, my side of it is I know Charlie back then. And so when I hear him, sounds very, very familiar in terms of repeating a lot of things. And I see the Charlie that I knew in dental school. And I just keep thinking to myself, man, how did you get yourself in this situation? And um, the calls where he's talking to his son, I can really relate to because I have a five-year-old also. And I just feel so much sadness all around for um, for the situation and for what's to come. Um, Jay, I'm going to toss this one right back to you. Uh, someone said that Ryan looks like Aquaman. Here come all the, the accolades for Ryan Fitzpatrick. By the way, Ryan told me he poked his eye putting us up Christmas lights. You can't tell yeah. can't tell here, but it's it's very manly of you, Ryan, to get injured <laughs> putting up Christmas lights. Uh, KC says, and Jay, this is to you. Why do the Adelsons all talk like they're handling super important top secret business? They have an inflated sense of selves for sure. Did you get the sense when you used to talk to Charlie that he was like this, you know, this maestro-esque person, sort of this tough guy image? Did you ever get that sense? Definitely a level of air to himself, um, a level of, of confidence, whether it's, it was warranted or not. He always had a certain level of confidence and humor in whatever in whatever we were doing. So um, you never felt like you could get him on his heels. Uh, here's a comment from uh, Sarah Fernley. I think Richard Gabriel would do a better job on jury consultancy than the guru, Josh Dubin, who was the high-paid New Yorker. Charlie complained, not one juror. Um, Richard, on this on these calls... And we'll get to them in a minute, and hopefully they'll play correctly with uh, compromised Wi-Fi, I guess. But on these calls, he he never once, you know, proclaims his innocence, but he nope. does poke fun at the jurors. Joel, sorry, I, you froze again. Oh, um, hang on a sec. That is my. Are, are you? Am I still paused up? There you go. Um, Charlie is pointing the finger of blame at the jurors. What do you make of that? This is the system. I mean, when you are in the system, you get to choose the jurors. And sometimes you're in a favorable venue. Sometimes you're in an unfavorable venue. But if you're doing your job, you're really, it's really trying to understand who these jurors are, what are their attitudes, what are their life experiences, who's going to be best. In, and sometimes you have limited ability to um, deselect the jurors that are against you 
And, and But you are trying to find, especially in a criminal case where you've got some terrible evidence against you, sometimes you're trying to find just one or two jurors. So it's it's an art in the selection process. But, you know, the truth is that I know these complaining about jurors, but these are the people that is the job of the attorneys to communicate effectively to those jurors, to communicate whatever their advocacy is going to be, whether it be the prosecution, whether it be the defense. It is their job to help that jury understand what is their case, why they should either convict this guy or why there's reasonable doubt. Uh, I'm understanding, uh, Richard, this is nothing personal, but apparently I'm only buffering for you, but no one else. So, um, huh. okay, good. That, yeah, that happens to be the, uh, the case here. Uh, my man, Ryan Fitzpatrick, getting some mood lighting going, which I love. Uh, this question from Sioux City Sioux. Uh, will the police contact the Markels prior to the possible arrest of Wendy? It would be a soft place for the boys to land. So Ruth actually addressed this. And again, we are going to air this next Wednesday. If you can believe it, people came from uh, Utah and Indiana to see last night's event, which I was blown away by. Absolutely amazing. So shout out to those couples that came uh, from so far away. But uh, Ruth addressed this and said, even if Wendy was to be arrested, and you'll have to watch this when we post it next week, uh, she will have sort of the final say in what happens to the boys. Um, they could become, quote unquote, possession of the state, but uh, there's enough people around that hopefully things will fall into place. But according to the law, as it is written right now, uh, Wendy would have, I think, the first decision. Uh, about what would happen to these boys. So uh, it's a it's it's a circumstance that everyone is very concerned about. I don't know if anyone saw the show I did the other day with Julie Grant of Court TV. Uh, she had a very bold prediction. She said Wendy's getting indicted, and she said she wouldn't be surprised if it was in the next couple of weeks. She even said it could be before New Year's, which told her if that happens, I can't go away. So it'd be nuts. Ryan's even been saying, whoa, well, that's crazy. But we had Dave Arenberg speak last night. And uh, listen, Dave Arenberg, the Florida state attorney, he used to be very sort of cautious in speaking about Wendy. But now he says he has no question that she's eventually getting indicted. And uh, he thinks it's possible that Wendy and Donna, um, or at least Wendy and Harvey, and possibly Donna could even be tried uh, at the same time, which is, is really uh, a pretty wild notion. Richard, I'm just wondering, with, with any of your high-profile cases, I assume you saw children getting in the crossfire. Um, how difficult is that? Uh, that's got to be one of the hardest things to watch, right? It's, it's tragic. I mean, it's, it's tragic on all sides. It's tragic for a defendant whose kids are thing, watching their father or their mother go through something like this. Um, and even just the lead up to this is so emotionally difficult and can be devastating for kids. But also, obviously, whoever the kids are that have lost a parent, too. I mean, th these cases really have no winners in the world. Even when a verdict comes in, they're all tragedies. And so I think it's hard to recognize that even though the courtroom becomes this sort of battle for who will prevail, the real losers in these cases are always the children. Um, Debbie Blair, did Ruth get to visit with the boys? She did. She met with them this past week and uh, she's very limited in what she can say, but she told us it went well. So I'm glad that uh, it did, uh, you know, it did work out for her. Um, 
Brian, you're going to get uh, you're getting hit up here a little bit. Um, and I can check out the weather behind you, which I love. It's a little chilly in Miami, but I can see uh, I, I'll have to look at that five day forecast as I'm podcasting. Uh, please ask Ryan why he never tells us Charlie stories, I guess. Why does he always deflect and offer his opinion about the trial? Many of Charlie's friends tell an- antidotes Ryan never has. Uh, do you agree with that, Ryan? Fitzpatrick? Oh, I muted you. That's my fault. I did that because you've got some ambient noise. I'm going to unmute you. Go okay. ahead, Rye. What a disaster I'm not, time is. I'm not sure what she wants to hear. Um, did we have good times? Yeah, but, I mean, it's that's in the past. I mean, to be honest with you, I wish I wish I could get a big, fat Christmas present of two more Adelson indictments, and they'd just go away. I don't want to listen to any of this anymore. I mean, I love the show and everything, but I'm, I'm so sick of the Adelsons and listening to their entitlement and their nauseum and the, it's just it, it i can't believe they're doing it on tape it blows my mind i mean they they more that they open their mouths the more that they talk about themselves it's not about like what a tragedy oh this is so horrible i mean they they, they charlie is literally planning his next trial and, and basically saying that the only reason he's there is because of wendy so i i have to think another couple of days in there he's gonna crack so I, I don't know what stories she wants to hear. This isn't an entertainment uh, situation for me. I'm sorry to the fans or whatever. Um, I don't know. Wait for the book or the Netflix special. I, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, my friend PSS, Philadelphia shoulder surgeon, uh, more Wendy police interviews were released today. Could this be a little foreshadowing? You never know. Um, you know, Richard, let me ask you about that. When, when the state attorney's office um, and I, I assume that's who released it. But when when agencies start to release bits of information to the media, in your experience, does that does that forebode or foretell anything? It it, it really does depend. I mean, sometimes there is sometimes there's a strategic value in sort of letting things out there. Uh, sometimes the prosecutors they do they want to sort of seed the public with an understanding of how they're building their case. And stuff, and so there's that's that's a that's one issue. Sometimes there are states which actually, like in Florida, there's this you know there's a Sunshine Act which says that all information that is obtained uh, has to be made public or has to be at least provided to the other side. So sometimes there's there's a a legal reason to actually uh, release the the interviews and the tapes. Sometimes there's a strategic reason depending upon where you are in the country. Um, but it always, you know, from my experience, and in, in especially in these high-profile cases, it does start to seed the public with a certain amount of here's where the evidence is leading, here's why we think this is solid, and it starts preparing the general public for what they what the prosecutors think the case is going to be. Mm. Uh, lean, if I'm saying that right, it's stormy and cold in Denmark this evening. Uh, so this is a nice place to be. We are, in fact, a global show. Uh, Jay Lipoff, uh, you know, I was talking about this with my own mother, and this part really freaked me out as a mama's boy. If Donna, well, she's in custody now, but if she's convicted, uh, it is likely that Charlie and Donna will never see or speak to each other again. As it stands right now, the only chance he might see or speak to her again would be in a court of law. Uh, how do you think he's going to handle that? You know, this guy is a mama's boy. 
probably very similar to myself being a Jewish guy with a Jewish mama and being a mama's boy. I think that most of his days will be spent thinking about past memories and sort of kind of creating this kind of alternate world. And that's where he's going to have to live for, for his, for his happiness. Uh, it, that, that to me, I mean, just because of, you know, my own relationship with my mother is uh, freaky, but committing crimes has consequences. Without further ado, let's listen. Uh, we had some technical issues. So for full disclosure, and I just kicked the test with the camera. So sorry for making you all dizzy. Um, this first tape, hopefully, number one, it plays. Number two, I don't really know what's on it yet because I had no way to check it prior to the show. Apologies. Here we go. Let's listen together. And uh, hopefully it's not the COE pranking us all. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you for your kind words, and I haven't been responsible for afterwards, but, um. But dude, it's honestly, like, yeah, Doug, I'm definitely going to have to do something with Brian. I really, actually, I mean, Charlie, I know this is one, if there's there's one thing that, I mean, obviously, you know, Roman comes first as far as like you know accomplishing things from where you are but i'm saying ryan needs and deserves to go to go to hell to go through hell to go to hell go through hell and then end up in hell and i want you to do anything that you can do to make that happen because this man is so disgusting yeah anything legally Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see how words can be messed up. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm saying he deserves to go through legal hell. Yeah. It you see, you can say words and then, like, it just sounds so bad. Well, there you go. There's a snippet. Uh, Ryan, it's got to be surreal to hear your yourself being discussed and uh, not the kindest of words. What was fascinating to me about that. Charlie I, has got to know, obviously, he's being recorded because you made it clear that it would be legal hell, not another kind of hell that he's already been accused okay. of putting someone through. What's it, what's it like for you to hear this? I think he's an idiot. I think he's got he's obviously bored. I think she's a nitwit because she's devoted herself to this, you know, piece of trash. And I, 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 I guess I'm flattered that people are out there talking about me. I mean, I guess. Hater's gonna ain't or hater's gonna hate. I don't know. I, I don't care. I mean, I think he's an idiot. He's in prison for the rest of his life for what he did. But all those Adelsons could do is focus the blame. Blame people. Well, we're here because of this. We're here because of that. You know, you're there because you murdered someone. And every single trial that we've had in the state of Florida, every one of those co-defendants or co-conspirators or whatever has said primarily the same thing. And they're going to say it again in Donna's. They're going to say it again in Wendy's. They're going to say it again with Arby's. So whatever, Charlie. Good luck, bud. I hope he finds a hobby, maybe crocheting or, you know, needlework or something. I don't know. Ryan, you know? just for, the, for those who aren't as familiar, and there are a lot who aren't, what is sort of the beef, for lack of a better term, between you and Charlie? What is all this emanating from? I don't have a beef with him. Um, we had a business together. He claimed that I did some things in the business that – I didn't. Uh, he claims, I mean, if you listen to the math, I've heard little clippets of him talking or whining to Donna. Um, 
I think part of his math was he goes, uh, you know, he paid himself $63,000. Well, that was over two years. So if you do the math on that, that's less than minimum wage. So if I'm in a racketeering act or an embezzlement uh, scam, I'm either the worst on earth at it or I'm really bad at being a criminal because paying myself over two years, uh, less than minimum wage, that's a crime. I should sue him. But I don't know how the $63,000 that he's talking about with Donna, he goes, but mom, that's really 500000 I, I wish I could go to the bank and tell them that every day. Hey, you know, I put in a thousand bucks. It's really a hundred thousand though. You know, I mean, it, to me, it's just, I think that he's never been in a situation where he's dealt with adversity to where he has had to face the consequences of his actions. I think he's in a, you know, six by 10 room. I think he spends 37 hours a week on the phone saying the same thing over and over and over again. And I believe like the psychiatrist or the psychologist that you had on the other night was really good. And he, I don't know what it's called, but it's where people tell the same story so many times, whether true or not, they start to believe it. And I think Charlie believes his BS, you know, I, it's wild to me. I call that OJ Simpsonitis. Um, right. Ryan, are you, are you afraid at all of him at all? No, he's in a box for the rest of his life. I'm fine. I wasn't afraid of him when he was out of jail. So, I mean, I just wish they would move on, go ahead and get Wendy, possibly Harvey. If they, I mean, how does he not know? And then slam this shut so we could stop listening to him because it, it is nauseating. Uh, KCL says, and ironically, Charlie said you could get away with murder if you keep your mouth shut, yet he can't keep his mouth shut, which is quite ironic. Uh, big Aloha SDS Nation from the Valley Isle, Maui. Wishing you all well after those fires. Uh, Richard Gabriel, uh, from your perspective as a jury consultant, again, what do, you, what do you make of this particular tape? And he's correcting, by the way, that is Bree, the, the baby mama of Charlie. They have a child named Roman who's five years old. And it is heartbreaking because on one tape you hear Charlie talking to Roman and he says, Roro, I love you. And Roro says, I love you more. And it's, it's heartbreaking because he's never going to have a dad. Um, but Richard, from your perspective, you know, they're, they're bashing the guy who's to your right on this little screen. Does it make any sense to you? It, nothing makes sense when you are in Charlie's position. And the truth is that as, as you have heard, and it is true, you know, there are a lot of defendants and I've worked with a lot of them. They believe it. They do. They convince themselves that they are innocent and that they're being unjustly accused. And so what ends up happening is you become the victim when you're in that situation because you have convinced yourself. You know, the, the mind is a rationalization machine. It will rationalize just about anything. And so at some point you become convinced that the world is somehow, has it out for you. And so a defendant behind bars has so many hours in a day to think about what is what has happened to them and to attribute that because it's the most painful thing in the world is actually to say, I did this. So, so that's why it often is deflected outward and people can then say, it's this person, it's this person, it's this institution that somehow has wronged me.
And Richard, you worked on the O.J. Simpson case. I don't know if you knew O.J. at all, but, you know, at one point he's like, I, you know, I'm glad I'm out so I can look for the real killers. We, you know, it's it's nonsensical. But do you believe that he really and truly believes this, that he has convinced himself of this? I, I think so. I think that it's I mean, everybody deals with trauma and everybody is, you know, it's amazing what the human mind actually can do. And I think people can convince themselves either that or they justify it to such a high extent that they actually said this happened, but it happened for a very good reason. And it was completely justified in what happened there. And so they reconstruct a reality after, after this, whatever happened, whatever incident happened, and they, whatever it is to help explain to themselves either that they were justified in doing what they're doing or why the, the what they're being accused of actually isn't true. Mm. Uh, by the way, uh, one of the most important things in life is to say, you know, maybe I was wrong. And it comes full circle because when I put up this brand new set a couple of months ago, uh, the COE in Space Coast, Space Coast is too nice, so he didn't say much, but the COE was like, what the hell is this? So I decided over time that maybe it's a touch busy, uh, if you know the other set that I'm talking about. So uh, we are debuting a modified new set tomorrow that is going to be the set for a long time until we hit a million, and then I'm going to buy like a CNN level set. But for now, this is going to be the set. We're going to debut it. I debut everything with Phil and Scott. Great Scott at your true crime, Phil, tomorrow, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Be there or be square. Check it out. But I'm still going to have an insane wide shot where you see Carmela screaming at me. So I don't want anyone <laughs> to think that I'm not doing that. Um, Dr. J, you knew this guy. And again, now you're listening. You don't really know Ryan, but you know of Ryan. And now he's ripping Ryan apart. It could be Jay Lipoff if he had some kind of issue with you. What do you make of these comments to, you know, the mother of his child, these on these recorded calls, and they're basically, you know, ripping apart a, a former friend? I think that sort of like Richard was saying before, is that he's created these new truths and he really believes in certain things, um, whether certain things are really true, whether certain things are, are really false. So it's for me, it's just one more thing that he needs to be the victim. Like I said, regardless if it's, if it's true or not, it's, and he's, when he's talking to somebody, whoever he talks to is agreeing with whatever he's saying. So it's making him feel better for his current situation. Now, I obviously, I was on the other end. I was the victim. I'm literally the exact opposite of somebody like uh, Ryan, where he's like, bring it on. For me, I'm like, I will, I'll be a little turtle and I will just be, I'm afraid of everybody. I don't want anybody to be upset with me. So in, in, in that aspect, um, I'm glad that um, nobody is SHIT talking to me, but uh, sometimes I wish I had the balls like Ryan does. Mm. Jay Lipoff, we, hey, you served in the military, man. You look like you're in shape. No one, you have a dental uh, industry of a drill in your hand all day. You could be dangerous. You could be lethal. Um, Ryan, I apologize. You're getting beat up a little here, but Alexander, and this question has come up. What about those uncomfortable messages to Bree, Ryan? What? Can you tell us, you know, have you talked to Bree, your relationship with Bree? Do you guys I mean, hate I've known each Bree, other? I've known Bree as long as Charlie has. And when Bree con contacted me, don't think for one second I didn't think she was talking out of both sides of her mouth. You know what I mean? I knew exactly what they were doing. I knew exactly why she was calling me. 
I knew exactly what I said. Some may have been uncomfortable. Wasn't uncomfortable for me. So don't call me, Bree. Don't reach out to me. We're not friends. I've obviously seen the truth with what you've got going on. You're a pathetic nitwit who is in love with Charlie with a grandiose idea that he's going to get out one day. And June's a nitwit, too, because they're all like a stupid love triangle, and it makes this like a soap opera. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait to see the script. I mean, this is ridiculous. Um, yeah, good luck, Bree. Good luck with the child. But, I mean, to listen to these tapes, what did I do? What did I do? And, and for the record, let me tell the people, the masses, and I'm sure you know most of us on this panel realize, I did not volunteer anything. I didn't come forward and say, oh, whistleblowers. I didn't want to be involved at all. The FBI in the state of Florida, through their investigations, through their iCloud, what do they call it, the, the Seabright or something that they do search, they thought it was relative to question me. Well, there comes the, you know, the, the trial in your own head. Am I going to lie for this guy? Well, let me see for a second. Let me count the reasons I'm stick up for Charlie. Uh, he's suing me for $2 million for something I didn't do. It basically ruined my career. And then the FBI, what am I going to perjure myself? I'd be sitting right next to him. For what? And then this is the way he thinks about me anyway. So I did the right thing because I told the truth. And everyone's going to have to tell the truth in life, whether you believe it or not. And I think Charlie's struggling with the truth a little bit right now. But when he gets transferred out of that holding facility... He's going to meet some new friends, and they're going to show him the truth. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. That's a very scary reality. We've had Tommy Scoville and Larry Levine on, former inmates. It is not going to be a pretty picture for Charlie when he gets to the big house, as they say. And I don't mean where Michigan plays football. Um, Ryan, they want to know, you know, why you're trying to get a hold of Bree. But my question is, did you meet Bree through Charlie? How did Charlie meet Bree? How did this whole, how did this whole <laughs> triad start? Oh, man, let me show you how obtuse this triangle is, Joel. Mm. Uh, Bree is Dave's, who is Wendy's ex-boyfriend's former nanny. Oh, boy. You can't write <laughs> I think I, I think I knew I think I knew this, actually. Wow, that's very oh, obsessive. Look, look, Dr. J just sat up a little bit. He's like, what? <laughs> so, whatever. I mean, I've known Bree. I had no problem with her. We, uh, she reached out to me. Uh, you know, I went and had drinks with June after the trial. I've known these people, and I they didn't do anything to me. I'm not mad at them. I feel sorry for them. But, yeah, I spoke to them. So what? I mean, it is what it is. Did I say uncomfortable things? Like I said, it wasn't uncomfortable for me, not in the context of the conversation. But that's just like my, you know, my anti-Semite or homophobic or whatever remarks I made that were taken so out of context in text. You read two text messages out of five pages, and all of a sudden the world wants to crucify me. Not to use, you know, another <laughs> term, but... By the I way, mean, just for, for full disclosure, I've talked to Ryan many, many times um, off air, and he's been nothing but kind, nothing but generous. We were supposed to have a prison warden on tonight. Things got really crazy. It always gets hectic during the holiday season. And Ryan said, you know what? I'm going to step up. I said, people are going to probably have tough questions. And he says... That's OK. Uh, you know, he's got the courage to come on this platform, which has grown a lot. So I uh, I give him credit and people say he's an anti-Semite. I'm Jewish. I don't see it. I've never seen it. Um, he's actually a really nice guy. He's uh, you know, we're, we're supposed to get together and talk about some other stuff. So uh, kudos to Ryan for at least, you know, speaking the truth here. 
um, and coming on and having the courage to come on the show. Uh, RF Malone speaking the truth. Ryan is old enough to be my son, but he is very easy on the eyes. Here he goes. That's called Cougar Land. Be careful there, RF Malone. Um, Joe, on, on that, I'm going to have to sign off tonight. I, I wish I had more time for you guys. I know it was last minute. I want to thank you for all the hard work you're doing. Dr. J, Mr. Gabriels, thank you for having me on. Have a happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. I yeah. love you all. And Joe, we'll talk soon. See you guys. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Merry Ryan. Christmas. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, Joel, I'm sorry to do this. I got to jump off too in a minute just because I, <laughs> I just got a call from a client who's got a fire that they're trying to put well, out and stuff like that. You, you, do you, you, how much time do you have, Richard? So I have I don't about another five, 10 minutes. Okay, maximum. let's listen to one more call. We'll get your reaction. And then Dr. J, it's going to be me and you for a little while. But uh, if you have questions for Charlie's old dental school friend, Put them in the capital triple Q's and we'll we'll have Jay get to them. It's a wacky night tonight, but let's listen to this call. Um, and again, thanks to this panel. I know they stepped in last minute. Chrissy has been a member for one month. Thank you, Chrissy. Uh, here we go. Let's listen to this one. If you own a small business, you might be asking yourself, can Tax Act help me do my business and personal taxes? The answer is yes. If the answer was no, it would have been pretty ill-advised of Tax Act to have asked that question in the first place. And Tax Act prides itself on not doing ill-advised things. In conclusion, Tax Act can help small business owners get their personal and business taxes done. Tax Act. Let's get them over with. I'll get some place where I can actually have a visitor in person. Yeah. Should we get married? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> you get more visits like that. That's <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. This is, yeah, I was not expecting this. Um, Richard, you know, that's just hard to listen to because it's depressing as hell, to be honest. But, you know, he's talking, obviously, about getting to a place where there's public visits. Um, There is, by the way, no conjugal visits in Florida State Prison. So that's, he's never going to be with a woman again. Um. Certainly not with Bree. It uh, sort of reeks of desperation by both of them. But how do you read this call? It's just sad. I mean, the the the, the truth is that you know you could hear it settling in, and you know it's you know he talks about being positive this weekend, and I think every defendant at some point has to has to feel positive. They have to kind of go, "We're going to be okay. We're going to do this and stuff," because otherwise. You, it's just hard to be fatalistic in in situations like that. So it's and you hear this really starting to sink in for both of them, and it is it's a new reality. It's a whole new world, and so you know all of a sudden they're going. Everything I know and everything I thought I knew is going to be gone, and now I've got to deal with what is this new reality. 
and it's it's just very hard. It's painful. Yeah, and, and just to kind of put a cap on that, Richard, you know, uh, grief has all kinds of different levels and emotions to it. Uh, when you are convicted to life in prison, do you see kind of waves of feelings? I don't think Char- Charlie hasn't even gotten to state prison yet. So um, when he gets there, how long does it take typically for reality to really set in for him to say, wow, this is my new life? Well, it's different for everybody. And obviously, depending for someone like Charlie, who's never been convicted of anything before. It, it can take a while. I mean, it's just a complete new orientation. It's okay. We've got an appeal. And I, you know, some people, some defendants, they go, okay, I'm now going to busy myself with my appeal. Something went wrong in the trial. The judge had made bad rulings or the jury didn't get it right or something like that. And so they, they go, okay, this was a wrongful conviction. I now need to try and show the court. So that's a way to occupy themselves because the reality of now I'm now living this way is difficult. And this isn't just an acclimation process. Some people are more flexible than others and they can, okay, they can adapt easily. Um, you know, he talked in one of the other recordings about making friends. He separated from some of his friends when they put him in solitary confinement at one point and on, on one of the recordings. And so that's where they kind of try and, you know, he, so, you know, he's a pretty social guy, you know, so I, I think from listening to him, he's going to make people now, whether he makes enemies, whether he makes friends and stuff, you know, he's, he is going to adapt. I believe, I don't think, He's somebody who's going to necessarily be crushed by the system because he he seems like a resourceful guy. Um, so I think he will busy himself. Mm. Uh, interesting. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Richard Gabriel, Gabriel, one of the uh, preeminent jury consultants in the country, worked the O.J. Simpson case, Val Spector, among many others. Uh, Richard, I hope everything works out with your client. Thanks so much. And we'll call on you again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joel. Good to hey. meet you. And Jay, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Jay, right into you here. Uh, what's your opinion? A lot of people have said that they heard that Charlie's actually a horrific periodontist. He's had some um, uh, citations um, and, and complaints against him. Did you ever, I don't know, did you, get, did you guys work on models together of teeth in school? Did you actually work on anyone real? Uh, did you ever see what kind of periodontist he was? So before I get into that, I want to say thank you to my wife, Brooke, for letting me come on last minute. She just said, don't say anything stupid. Mm. So, Brooke, don't worry. That's impossible. But thank you. And thank you for letting him come on. Um, so I'm not much of a, of, a, of a gossiper. I think that back when we were in, in dental school, he was uh, probably in the needs improvement for waxing, uh, probably right next to me. So in that aspect, um, I think that uh, he had to put a lot of work into uh, becoming a better student. And in terms of his rep as a periodontist, I went to residency for pediatric dentistry, and he went into his residency in periodontics. And obviously, the, the things that people seem to remember are kind of the, the, the bad instances or the bad interactions or the fact that something went bad with implants or, or whatever. So me personally, I've never really heard any bad things, but that's because I moved away years ago and I've been in Kentucky, but I've definitely heard some things that, that run the gamut. That being said, when you were working as much as Charlie, 
and again, this is not defending Charlie in, in any way, but for anybody, when you're seeing that many patients, bad things are going to happen. And for whatever reason, it's like the one or two bad things that people tend to remember. Let's listen to this call one more time and let's get your take. Here we go. I'll get some place where I can actually have a visitor in person. Yeah. Should we get married? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> you get more visits like that. That's why it's <laughs> um, this is yeah. This, uh, I was not expecting this. A couple observations. I mean, Number I mean, one, this is the day the he's convicted, November 6th. The other one is, if I was ever sent to jail or prison, I couldn't call anyone. I don't even know my mother's own number because everything is stored in my phone as mom's cell or whatever it is. I'd have no, I don't, I really don't even think I know my mother's number, which is kind of scary. So I'd be sitting there alone, unable to talk to anyone. But Dr. J, you just listen to that. You know, Bree jokes about should we get married with that off, awkward laugh afterwards. What, what's your uh, interpretation of all this? I remember listening to those calls and I was thinking, yeah, it sounds like Charlie, but a hollow Charlie, just kind of the the air is just out of the balloon and he's kind of responding and he's just, everything is just reeling and everything is just kind of coming together as opposed to the calls that we would hear before he was arrested and around the time of the bump, there was that Charlie that I've always known in the past with that air of confidence and we'll get out of it and this is going to be the next step. And then kind of this happens and everything is just kind of, man, what am I going to do now? Like everything, mentally, physically, everything. Uh, Dr. J, there was a question for you, and keep the questions coming. They're great. Uh, what would you say to Charlie if you visited him in prison? I think you sort of addressed this the last time you were on, but has anything changed? And what do you think you would say? You know, it's really interesting. Uh, one of my patient's parents asked me that the other day, what, what would you say to him? And obviously, I wouldn't talk anything about the murder or the alleged murder or anything. I would just kind of talk about the past and just old old memories and not really talk about anything in, in the present, just kind of what, what's been going on. And I have a feeling our conversation will go everywhere except for really anything that's been significant in his life that has to do with this. Because um, I'm always fascinated with kind of the psychology of, especially people like me, where he, he his background is dentistry and then dental specialist, and then became very successful, works a lot, is now a father and kind of just just hear, hearing from him how everything was in the past and then kind of just leading to what's, what's he going to do now? And then I would actually start asking him probably some really random questions like, what's prison like? Have you met friends? What kind of food are you getting? I mean, it, it's like Jewish guy to Jewish guy. What's it like? Are you sleeping at night? Um, 
what's the uh what's the prison yard like is it as cool as i've always thought just random just random stuff like that um i think i'd be with you i'd be asking him a lot of questions um someone asked here um jason truth if you get the chance to interview clown charlie talking to me joel will you that'd be epic i would a hundred percent interview charlie adelson i would try to get a jail interview prison prison interview with him uh once he's moved and i would press him i would press him on that extortion i'd i'd press him on all the evidence on these uh the payment plan on why he let katie come in and sleep with him that night if he was being extorted and i'd also ask him how prison life was and i'd i'd want to hear uh his side uh you know and hear if he is able to man up and tell us the truth but um it would definitely not be a softball interview uh but i would certainly do it i would be remiss if i didn't as a quote-unquote journalist so i would go uh and i would try to interview him and trust me uh the datelines in the 2020s are going to try to get him uh once he's in state prison and what's strange is he might just talk because the guy likes to talk so you never know but we will try steve cohen and I are are working on that already. Um, what's interesting to me, and uh, Dr. J, are you surprised that we haven't heard from a single juror yet uh, from this trial? No, I think that um, they probably all made a commitment not to not to speak. I think also there's could be that there's just a lot of crazy people in this world, and when you start publicly making an opinion one way or another, especially if you're in the jury pool. Um, Maybe they have they have families and they have a they're under no obligation to kind of put themselves at risk, so to speak. It seems like every year that that goes on, we have people that are more and more inclined to do irrational things. Mm. Uh, so in a case, that, it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, in a case like this, a murder for hire, uh, people are going to be a little more suspect, and uh, you know they're going to be a little more apprehensive about speaking. And we haven't seen a juror speak. I'm a little surprised because it's a high profile case. What's interesting about this case, it's so high profile, but, and the Tallahassee Democrats done a lot of reporting, but down here in Miami, there's been next to none. No one's tried to get Wendy out in the street and speak to her or Harvey. Uh, usually on big cases, uh, they try to do that. If you look at Alec Murdoch, they were hounding Buster Murdoch the remaining living son and uh, nothing like that, nothing of that nature here. So Jay from Sarah Fernley, were you shocked to hear Rob Adelson say on over my dead body? That's the wondery podcast with tens of millions of downloads uh, years ago that he thought his parents were involved in Dan's death. Uh, were you surprised to hear that? I was, um, I didn't really kind of have an opinion. I knew that there had to be some connection, but I, to me, everything is surprising. So it's like whenever anybody is guilty of doing something that is horrific or, or heinous or allegedly doing it, to me, it, to me it's just uh, surprising. Thinking about it is one thing, but actually acting on it is, uh, to me, it's, it, it's just, um, you know, now that everything is coming to play and everything's for light, it's not as surprising. But when I was watching, when I was listening to the podcast, I definitely was surprised. Definitely for Charlie, by the way, because the Charlie that I knew, you know, had this confidence in this air. And yeah, there were people in school that kind of didn't like him for the way that he talked and his sarcasm and things like that. But in my mind, that didn't translate to doing a heinous crime or a horrific act, um, which makes me think that 
I think it had, in my opinion, it had more to do with appeasing his mother than anything, um, than actually you know, thinking that he's directly involved in, in, in something that is, that is so heinous. By the way, Moon Goddess is telling me Charlie's been transferred. Gigi had it on yesterday. STS, let me know, STS Nation. Was he transferred to the state prison or is he still in the reception area? I was crazy yesterday with the podcast and then going to uh, Ruth's thing. So I may have missed that, but please let me know if he has been transferred to state prison and which state prison so Steve Cohen can get on the horn and get that interview with Charlie Adelson. But uh, Hey Mona here says, after listening to the trials and calls, and if you have questions, by the way, for Dr. J, just put up the triple Qs and I will ask, have you had any new insights, Jay, regarding Charlie since hindsight is always twenty twenty? Actually, it it didn't really surprise me that the listening to the calls afterwards, um, it, it's kind of in, in line with the the Charlie that that I've that I've always known. Kind of like Richard was saying in terms of self preservation, the commentary doesn't really surprise me, but constantly repeating the story over and over again in his world and his truths it goes right in line so there's really nothing nothing that surprised me everything is just it, it and again this has been you know there's been several trials it's been really public so we've been hearing these stories and this evidence over and over or some of us over and over and over again so mm-hmm. it's like we've got everything it's it's just like beating it with a hammer uh and so everyone's letting me know he's still in the reception i knew he was transferred he's at the reception area in uh, Chipley, Florida, home of Jeremy Mutz, a former prosecutor in Tallahassee, who's a guest on our show frequently. Shout out to Jeremy Mutz. Um, Jay, were you surprised to hear, and there's wiretaps of this, Charlie is selling steroids. Does that surprise you? So that was interesting because what what my understanding was, was he was kind of more creatively using his dental license to get steroids for people. I, I never considered him. And again, I don't know personally, and I don't know what's the truth and what's not. Um, but I don't know if he was actually selling steroids like a steroid dealer, if he was kind of using his, uh, his, his professional license to obtain certain things. And again, I don't, I don't know, but that's, to me, that's, that's what I thought it was. Todd Todd Mullins, hi guys, love these discussions. Justice for Dan, uh, that's what it is all about. Followed by Artie, why do people go to periodontists, Doctor J, for root canals or braces? What does a periodontist do that's different than a dentist? Great question. They make money. That's what they do. <laughs> uh, they take. They make Ferrari. Money. They make Ferrari money. Obviously, they do. They do. Um, they do a lot. Of, they do several different things, such as gum surgery, things like that. But. The a big part of what they do is place implants, dental implants. Hmm. Uh, by the way, side Barbie, they've already revoked his license. Uh, it is gone. Um, Jay, what about that psychologically? You guys work so hard in dental school, obviously, to become doctors. And, you know, even if you are humiliated and he was now it's pouring salt in the wounds, they took away his license. Do you think that's bothering him? I sometimes put myself in Charlie's shoes. What, what would I be thinking about if all of a sudden everything was taken away? And I think that I'd be worrying so much about my, my freedom than, the, than all the work that I put in in the past. So I think that he's 
more remorseful about the fact that his actions are he he can't do his livelihood. He can't do what has allowed him the financial and personal freedom in his life. And now he has not. So I think that that it's he's not and he's not someone anyway to to kind of brood over the past in terms of the fact that, oh, my God, all the years that I that I spent in school that was for lost. I think that kind of we're a little bit beyond that. Uh, Jennifer uh, Levy, he's got a new mugshot. His head is shaved. The beard that he had um, at the sentencing is gone. Did you see that, Jay? What do you think? He looks like a con now. I did. I did. It was. Uh, I mean, he looked like uh, all those. Uh, all those. Guys, when I back when I was at Fort Knox and I used to do the dental entrance exams before they deploy to Iraq, that's exactly what they look like. So um, I thought, you know, he's nice and clean now, and it's a, it's a new look. Um, oh, there's a new, there's oh, a mug. there's a new mug shot, Charlie Adelson. He's got the face up, uh, sort of in defiance. Um, he looks like a prisoner now, and uh, I don't know how he's going to fit in there as a prisoner. Jay, this is an interesting question. Um, did Charlie Adelson make all this money? So I got to tell you, I did a double take because I was in the courtroom, and they said he made three and a half million dollars a year between 2014. In 2018, and I think somewhere on one of the, the jailhouse calls, he says that's all BS. He didn't make that much money. I mean, periodontists make money, but they're not making three and a half million dollars a year. Uh, did you give that any thought? Do you think it's coming from uh, shady business dealings? Yeah. So I, well, I'll kind of I'll lay it out for you with how how it can come to not necessarily that number, but a lot is the fact that he was one of the first people to be a traveling periodontist. So he had no overhead and he would just carry all the supplies of dental implants in his trunk and just go to all these dental, dental offices. And so imagine making, you know, let's say five, 800,000, a million dollars a year. And a lot of it is with limited overhead besides the materials. So where a lot of us dentists, we've got overhead of 50, 60%. His could be far less, and he's working his butt off. He had no, he's got he had no family, so he's working sometimes until, kind of like in in the in his testimony, and that was that that was pretty true. I mean, I had heard stories where he was working all the way from the morning and the night because that was his identity. Yeah, um, yeah. He says so, on the tapes that he was working seven days a week for years, and that the only thing he ever really treated himself to was this Ferrari, and now this is what he's got in in return. Um, is sitting in that jail cell. On that note, you know. They're taking real shots at, at Wendy Adelson on these calls, uh, his mother and him, and he doesn't seem happy. Do you think, because everyone's asking this question, do you think there's the potential for Charlie to flip on Wendy or cut some sort of deal uh, now that the reality of life in prison might be hitting him a little harder? I, as long as he, he thinks the truth that he's, that he's saying, his, his, his reality I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, the only time that I could imagine that would be if, whether it's Dan Rashbaum or through appeal, if, if everything's been exhausted or even before that appeal, if everybody's telling him, this is your, this is your only option for being able to um, see outside again, see your son again. That, to me, that would be something that would, that would motivate him, uh, would be to see Roman again. Um. I'm going to remove this comment for a minute. There's one more piece of tape. Let's listen to that, and we'll take some more questions and wrap it up. But here we go. Here's the last piece of tape. 
towards Charlie I mean, Olson. I know everyone has a, a lot of that. Um, this is tough to listen to. Um, this is really the reality setting in. Uh, the part about the son, Jay and I both have young children. I, I could never imagine not being able to hug my son. Uh, this is real, real heavy stuff hitting him in real time on this call. Jay, how's that impact you? Yeah, that's, you know, it's when I had tears in my eyes because you know, just putting myself in his shoes. That's the first time I've ever, I've heard all the calls, but I had not heard that before. And that's the first time that, that there's no more kind of repeating over and over again. It's now my life is, as I knew it is, is over. And, and everything that meant anything to me now is, is over. And there's no, even just two days ago, he was at least able to kind of create that repeated, repeated. And then it just, that was it. It's you're just off the cliff, and it's the re the reality setting in, and it's it's really um, it's just it's just sad. And I know people then respond and says, "Well, you know, what about what about Dan?" Like, yeah, absolutely. Like the tragedy is it, it's not one or or the other. It, it's it, it's the fact that it's just listening to a human being from the mistakes they made and just the sorrow in his voice now. It's uh, it's just really, really sad, sad to hear. Yeah, and Roman, his son, is a, a victim. I mean, it's horrific. There are a lot of kids uh, in the middle of all this. Uh, but if you put a hit out on someone, I just don't think Charlie ever had the forethought to think of the repercussions, and now it's all hitting him. And I personally think that his relationship with Wendy is very strained. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think she is probably flipping out and freaking out and looking over her shoulder and wondering also, is is my brother going to say something to implicate me now? But uh, Allie B. from Tennessee, a friend of the show, why does Charlie feel he can sue Ryan for prison? I'm not trying to get into details, but it seems a bit ridiculous to me. Am I crazy? Seems odd. He is uh, listening so much details to Mama Donna and calls. I think that's 
just Charlie's nature. And I think he's probably just acting out now um, at all the people he is not happy with uh, in the world. And one of those people might be Wendy, as I just alluded to. Um, to me, from Maui Swift, friend of the show, long, she's an OG friend of the show. She's been here pretty much from day one. So shout out to Maui. To me, Jay, Charlie has had ADHD and that repetitive talk is certainly a symptom of it. Was this repetitive behavior there when you knew him? Even in court, they said Charlie likes to talk, Charlie likes to repeat things, but you really see it clearly here. Is that something that you remember or recall? Yes, absolutely. I was actually just talking to my wife about this the other day, uh, that I would remember Charlie after we would have an exam. He'd kind of just repeat some of the things or hard questions just kind of over and over and over again, almost like we never even had the conversation in the first place um, or something that went on in dental school. So that's kind of always been Charlie. And that was has always been uh, kind of just his, his personality. I think just the way that he kind of coped with stuff and just connected with putting the puzzle pieces of his life together. Uh, from Catalina, you know, um, when Ryan had to drop off and Richard Gabriel, I said, oh boy, uh, but it's great to have this one-on-one with someone that went to dental school and really knew Charlie. From Catalina, did Jay ever meet any other Adelsons at ceremonies, graduation, reunions, dental conventions? I think you mentioned this briefly last time, but who have you met and what do you think of them? I think I only met Harvey like once or twice back when I was in, in dental school, but that was it. Um, you know, I knew Charlie really from school and then every once in a while, like maybe, you know, kind of hanging out together, but I had never met any of the other Adelsons. Mm. KCL, by the way, another friend of the show from Salt Lake City. I believe Charlie has been ordered to stay away from Sigfredo and Luis in prison. Uh, Luis, by the way, is in federal, so he's not going to see um, Charlie. And I doubt they're going to put Charlie in prison with Sigfredo. Uh, they're all considered co-conspirators, but I can assure you, Charlie is going to do his best to stay away from them. I don't think he's he's got to have a death wish if he's seeking out Sigfredo in prison. Um, Cynthia Ho for uh, Dr. J, what about personally for you, Dr. J? Are you having a hard time with this, um, having a five-year-old and a, uh, I don't know if you have a son, a five-year-old Jewish son, but what a super sticker from Dave Warner, 999. But personally, are you having a tough time with this? I think that I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a tough time, more of not because I knew Charlie in the past, but I think partially because we just, a lot of us have become just kind of emotionally invested in this in this case. And it very quickly moved from kind of having a really strong opinion in the case in terms of, of guilty, not guilty, things like that, to now these jail calls. And then it, it's it, it, the reality and the sorrow is really kind of face to face. So like Ruth Markell, when we would see them in the jury in, uh, in the trial, the murder happened like eight or nine years ago. So, I mean, they've been grieving, but the actual event happened eight or nine years ago. Here, it's like it just happened. So like we're, we're getting this like super shot of sorrow and reality. And again, me thinking, man, it's like if I, I was Charlie, I'm another guy who's a dental specialist who went through similar training and then all of a sudden they have it all wiped away. You can just hear it in his voice. And I'm like, I would probably be the same way. Uh, shout out to Sailing 201 for the super sticker. Black Widow coming from the Republic of Ireland. 
Uh, she just gifted five memberships. Thank you uh, to Black Widow. And then you've got Arlene Potash with a uh, super sticker that says hashtag Team Ryan. Again, Ryan comes on the show, takes heat, but he's got the courage to step up and come on the platform. Sky High True Crime gifting 10 memberships. Thank you so much. Uh, this is a question I'm not touching, but I'll let Che handle this one. Help us Gentile moms understand the love of a Jewish mom. You guys seem to have such a beautiful love for your moms. Let me take this moment to tell you, have you heard I've written a book? The book is actually pre-orders are going to be available the first or second week of January, which is in a couple of weeks. So um, SCS Nation, you've got to help me show my publisher, Post Hill Press, that he's got to have to print way more than 2,000 copies to start with. Um, also, I'm going to be doing a very special show with a famous, famous, famous author uh, sometime in January. He has a new book out. I'm going to tease it that way. I will let you know uh, who it is soon if I haven't already said it, which I may have, but I've got a you know little uh, a, uh, inability to remember things. But anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know about that, and we're going to do a show uh, with him and my mother. And uh, he has the number one all-time best-selling book in the genre that I'm least releasing my book on. And so we're going to have him on and uh, talk all about it. His new book, I'm giving it all away right now is a Holocaust story, and it actually weirdly mimics my mom's own story in a lot of weird ways. So it's going to be interesting, and I'll let you know when that happens. From Vince uh, Supersticker, do you think law enforcement is going to try to recreate Wendy's drive by Dan's street to prove that she could see there was an incident at Dan's? This could be damning given what she, was, uh, what she has testified to. Uh, I know some YouTubers have done this uh, to a degree. Uh, that it was way out of the way uh, to go to Trescott where Dan was living. And uh, I, I don't think that's going to uh, sit well with the jury when that is brought up. Nikki Coots, uh gifting five surviving the Survivor memberships. Ashley, look at this, $20 holla for Carm. Live Christmas show with Carm, even though she's Jewish, on Christmas Day with me and uh, her I talked to, you know, I asked Ryan this. I don't think, unless I already forgot this too, Dr. J, you know, these calls, he's kind of bemoaning that there are these coincidences with Wendy that she drove by Trescott. He feels that that's what really got him convicted, it sounds like. Do you think, do you think that there's the possibility with all this heavy re reality setting in that he says, wait a minute, and he points the finger at Wendy now? I right now I still say I still say no, um, unless somebody's in his ear telling him that you will get. But I've never I haven't heard any direct anger in him. It, it's more he's got spite towards her, and obviously they don't they don't seem to to really get along. But it's not. And it's maybe because he knows he's being recorded. But it's a really interesting relationship. Um, but I wanted to add that and correct me if i'm wrong everybody makes a big deal about the 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 trescott and the and the drive-by and i'm thinking about the so like it would go straight down and to the to the right was like the, the the easiest way to get to the liquor store and then or you could like take that quote unquote shortcut which wasn't really a shortcut and i was thinking to myself do we know maybe have i ever kind of gone through neighborhoods in this and that that i used to live 
to go to um, a store or something that was on the other, even if it was a couple of minutes out of the way, I've definitely done that. Sometimes it's to kind of just, just to kind of see things that I've seen in the past. Sometimes it's stoplights. I mean, when they showed me the map, I was thinking, I thought it was going to be way out of the way. I mean, to me, again, it's a really weird coincidence because that's when the murder happened. So to me, and also the bigger issue is initially when she was interviewed, I think she said she didn't even drive by or didn't stop, right? So she didn't even admit that. To me, that's the bigger issue than the actual drive. To me, it's not crazy that she went that way because I could see myself doing something ridiculous like that too. Not because I thought it was the shortcut, but because I've, you know, it brings up memories of whatever reason, or I just do it out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that, that coincidence as well as other things makes it really hard to believe. But that in and of itself, I don't know that that in and of itself is, is kind of overly incriminating, except for the fact that maybe she contradicted herself in different interviews. Yeah, someone's asking, why is he worrying about his clothes? But I think from more of a macro perspective, it's think of how many things you take for granted uh, when you're living freely in this world. You can put on a pair of jeans. You can put on a T-shirt. You can go and get a cup of coffee, even though it makes you crazy. You can't do any of that when you're in prison. It is insane. So he, all these realities, uh, anytime I speak to former inmates, you know, they say that they never miss a sunset. They never miss a sunrise. I know a former inmate right here in Miami that I'm actually good friends with, a great guy, former boxing champion. And you know what? He never misses a sunrise. He loves to just go to the beach and let the sand funnel through his toes. Uh, It's something I never think of, but there is a very uh, increased appreciation for life once you have been in that situation. The problem with Charlie is he's never getting out of it unless there is some sort of miracle appeal, which uh, the consensus is that's not going to help him. Uh, Here's another question, uh, sort of in the medical vein, Dr. J, knowing what steroids can do to a person, do you think uh, Charlie... Uh, that it could have affected or altered his judgment. Do we know? Do you know if he was taking that much? If you know if it was a problem. So I don't know definitely, but I don't believe that he was taking that much that would have altered his 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 judgment. Um, he's always been a big guy. He's always worked out things like that. Um, so I, in my opinion, I, I don't think it was enough to alter his judgment. I think that he's always been the way he is. Mm. Um. From Janet, we've played this on our show quite a bit. She wants to know, did you hear the call where Donna thinks that the call ended? We call it the hot mic call. And she reads the text from Wendy. And basically, Charlie's been asking about Wendy, but Wendy doesn't give a rat's behind about uh, what's going on with Charlie. What If you heard it, what do you think of that call? To me, that yeah, I do think it's a, it's a true hot, hot mic moment. And for me, it seems like Donna is just, um, kind of just totally aghast that her daughter is kind of just leaving them all out in the wind. Um, so I think that, and she's, as she's responding to it, uh, you know, she's saying, I don't know what you're so upset about. You know, it's, it's where obviously the response that she is giving is a very, you know, she's an attorney. It's a very scripted response that kind of lays all guilt off of her. And she's very nonspecific about it. So it doesn't surprise me how Wendy wrote, wrote that email. Um, and Donna, being the, the, the overprotective mother or, or the loving mother who now feels like she's been slighted by her, her daughter. 
So, uh, you mentioned you met Harvey. Did you ever meet Wendy? A lot of people are asking. I, I've never met Wendy. Uh, from Mark Bogers, this is an interesting question. By the way, there was an absolutely horrific shooting in uh, Austria today, if I'm right about that, in Austria on a university campus. Last I heard, 15 dead. Uh, let's keep them in our, you know, in our thoughts tonight. But uh, this this violence is crazy. It's even worse in the United States, and uh, it's a mad world. Enjoy every day, as they say. That's another thing. These inmates always tell me, the former inmates, they just enjoy every single day. But Mark Bogers made me think of that shooting because he, he says, how do you get your hands on this kind of information like those jail taps? Is there no privacy law in the United States? So, by the way, these jailhouse calls, just so you know, I reached out to the Leon County Sheriff's Office. Uh, there's a thing in America called the uh, FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. And uh, you're able to access, you know, different files and and uh, materials and records from courts. But the Leon County Sheriff's Office does not release jailhouse calls. The state attorney's office could, but the people I know actually got these calls through different sources. So I don't think the state attorney's office ever actually released them. Uh, the question is, are people going to get their hands on Donna's phone calls and? Uh, that will be interesting in and of itself. Uh, Janine, uh, Jenny, Janine here, uh, thank you for the super sticker there, says, did Harvey pull any strings to help Charlie graduate? Any idea about that, Dr. J? A few more, and then we'll start to wrap up. I get asked that question a lot. And again, I've heard rumors that, that, that there was some truth behind that or in, in residency. But firsthand, I can't, I can't really say that that's true or false. Mm. Uh, Dwayne Harris, shout out to you. I think you're coming to us from Detroit because you were talking when we had the chief on last week. Uh, hello, Joel, COE, and STS Nation. I'm blessed to have found your channel about four weeks ago. We are blessed to have Dwayne Harris. Uh, welcome, and I uh, hope you continue to come and uh, stay and uh, enjoy these shows. Does Dr. J believe Charlie did this? Do you, Dr. I'm, I'm saying out of, I've, I, that is a question that I will not answer. So I think people can make the assumption of, of what, what I think, but, um, interesting the, uh, so I think that you can guess what my answer will be, but, um, I believe that, um, there's a reason the verdict was the way it, it is, but, um, I am not here to offer an opinion on, uh, anything one, one way or another, but you can draw your conclusions. I will kind of leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, this is someone concurring with how difficult it was to listen to that call about the reality setting in with Charlie. Others are saying that again, whether you hate him, can't stand him. Uh, you, if you're a human being, you got to have some, uh, at least some emotion there. Um, but Black Widow, she's tough as they come in the Republic of Ireland. He only cries for himself. That is true, Black Widow. That is true. Uh, I think he's more uh, sorry for feeling more sorry for for himself then his son. And uh, Hey Mona here says, oh, not that. Love this channel. Love that. But Hey Mona says his son is better off without uh, him. Look at this, Jay. Accusing two Jewish boys of being overly emotional. That's true. I'm emotional. I get sad about stuff like that. I think what's going on is Jay and I, in a weird way, can relate. And uh, we're putting ourselves in his shoes to some degree. 
And uh, let me tell you, I've said this a million times. It's my worst nightmare. I mean, Jay, what would you do if you got sentenced to life in prison? Uh, I had a dream about that the other day, which is really <laughs> weird. Charlie and I were cellmates and don't ask, we were making matzo pie. And it was nuts. <laughs> um, so, I don't even, it's funny. I, I mean, I'm actually speechless. I don't know what I would do. I don't, I don't think that I would already start calling people. That's not my personality. All of a sudden start calling everybody. I would probably do the exact opposite and just start writing on the walls. Um, as for paper and like start writing my memoirs, I don't even know. Just pretend like my life doesn't exist and I'm in a cartoon. I know. What would you do? Uh, I would act. I, I would act as crazy as humanly possible. So all the other prisoners just stayed away from me. Yeah. So I've said this. I'd be swatting imaginary flies, whatever it took. I would, I don't know. I'd get a star David tattooed between my eyes, whatever it took. I would just be, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be as crazy as I could get. Bite somebody's arm off. Yeah. Anything. I'd bite my, I'd chew my own arm off. And just say yes, anything, anything to get me, uh, I don't know, through a day, I guess. Uh, by the way, Jay, you know, you've got friends from dental school who knew Charlie are you guys on some sort of text thread? You talk to each other. You're like, holy crap, I cannot believe this call. Or, oh, my God, I cannot believe Donna was arrested, too. Uh, what, what's that like amongst your friends from dental school? Yeah, I remember when I think I talked about this last time when he was arrested. I was actually seeing a patient. And in between patients, I got the text that one of my classmates like to show the mugshot of Charlie. Um, so I wouldn't say necessarily an active thread, but now the last time that I was on STS, there were a lot of people that had watched it. Some of my old teachers, one of my pediatric dental uh, uh, professors, um, and they reached out to me like right afterwards. So um, I had no idea how much, to be honest with you, I had no idea how much anger some of my classmates had or spite for him back in the day. I really didn't. Um, so if you notice like last time, I didn't have a lot of whole lot of like overly negative things to say about him, you know, because yeah. the way do, you, do you know what that was like, what that was surrounding, what that was about their anger for him? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, a lot of that surrounded with allegations of if they thought that he was uh, kind of skirting the rules or cheating or things like that. And I never really kind of involved myself. It never directly involved me. So and I'm also really non-confrontational. So you know, I would never be part of a committee to expel him, for example. Um, so I think that's kind of where it, everybody just thought that he was, you know, kind of a, like I said, kind of a, a putz, but I've always just thought, hey, it's Charlie. There you go. From Jessica, what does Jay know about Charlie? And I know this came up the last time in dental school and the situation with the instructor and the allegations in which Harvey stepped in. I know there was a, there was a story that he punched someone out and then during graduation, Everyone turned their back to him, but that, I don't know if that's ever been corroborated. Uh, what do you know about any of this, if anything? Yeah, I remember I, I said last time that I, it could be that I'm, I'm blocking it out of my memory, but I don't remember anything like that. Hmm. But there could um, be truth to it, I've known, yeah. I had another question up here, but this uh, from Rachel, licensed clinical Rachel. I wonder what you're clinically licensed in. Uh, I'm curious, but... This channel is doing so well. Don't forget about us little people. Ha ha. Listen, STS Nation is the reason we're doing so well. I actually love meeting everyone. Carm had a blast. She was there last night, by the way. 
and uh, could not believe uh, people brought us big good. Someone brought uh, Carm a book on death, which was interesting because uh, she's not quite ready for that yet. But uh, we had brought up what happens in the afterlife. And so a uh, shout out to her. I'm not going to mention her name because she didn't want me to, but she gave Carmela, my mom, a book and uh, she was uh, very happy to be there. And and the best part about it is meeting all of you guys. And we're going to have a book tour. We're going to come to Louisville, Kentucky, where Dr. J is, and we're going to uh, and we are going to sign books. We recorded the program and we'll air the special show next week. The COE obviously missed the top half of the show where we talked about that, but it's good to reiterate, and we will be doing that. Um, interesting question here. I keep saying a couple more, but we are going to wrap up in a minute. Dr. J, did Charlie practice a spirit, spiritual life when you knew him besides chasing women? Was there any other religion he had? Uh, no, not that. Does he have a spiritual life now? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but he, he soon might. I would. That's another thing. I would have to believe in... Uh, become a, a much bigger believer, I would say. I would be very into uh, reading the Old Testament in that prison. Into a, gra- a, greater, a greater being. Yeah. Something you'd have to. Yeah. But By the he, way, he, a quick story. So last time I was, you know, the last time that I was your guest, that was like my first time being a guest in like years. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea how the, how prepared you actually have to be when you're talking. <laughs> So it's funny. I'm, I was listening to myself last time and I'm like, oh God, I'm like, I can't even believe people listen to that show. I'm like with the ums and the likes and this and that. And, and I'm, I go in the comments and people were so surprised that I was actually commenting on their comments. And I'm like, that was great. I'm like, this is, I'm like I need to know. I need to know how to, how to talk and prepare myself. It, it's so, a skill. You know, nation. In all seriousness, it is tough to speak publicly. It's not as easy as it looks. And uh, even though it doesn't seem it in any way, because this show is usually some semblance of a disaster, uh, we do do a lot of preparation. It's become a, uh, a labor of love. And uh, the COE, myself, shout out to Space Coast on the West Coast. Uh, he handles all the tech stuff. Steve Cohen, otherwise known as Meve Moen, all the mods. Um, we, we take what we... Oscar Wilde said, life is too serious to be taken seriously. So we take the show seriously, but we can't take things too seriously. Um, So there you go. But uh, it does take a certain skill set. People always tell me, stop saying, um, which is a natural filler because it bothers. uh, There's a certain, I forget what it's called, but people have a sensitivity to the word, um. And so sorry for saying it right then and there, but I will try to do better. Look at uh, this. Hello from Stockholm, Sweden. Ethel, the journalist. I didn't know you were a journalist. Look at that. Not the boxer. Not my daughter. By the way, my mother and the COE were giving me so much black the other night because Ethel sleeps on my bed. We cuddle at night. She's a lover, Ethel. Uh, Jay, do you find that um, unsanitary that I sleep with my boxer? And I don't mean my boxers, like my shorts, but with my dog. It's absolutely disgusting, and I do the same thing. So we're both gross. Uh, I mean, if I showed you pictures of, of uh, Fiona, our, my seven-pound schnauzer, yes. she's breathtaking, and she's adorable, and she sleeps under our, our, our pillow. And um, not sanitary at all, but you know what? Love, uh, love conquers all. I'm not going to um, say that I find it disgusting. I couldn't imagine. I think it's weird that people wouldn't sleep uh, with their dogs in the same bed. Ethel, by the way has the longest tongue recorded in uh, human or canine history. 
It's got to be a 13-inch. She cannot keep the tongue in her mouth. I posted on on Instagram. Um, it's the biggest tongue you've ever seen in your life. And she licks my face. That's Sometimes it'll get a little wild, but um, right now my mother's having a heart attack. Look at this from Hugh Hefner. Joel, your book is going to be huge. Listen, I'm going to say this honestly. This story is the most important thing I think I've ever done. Uh, it's not... Carm says it's all about you, but it's really, it's about life. And my mother is very inspirational. I think it's a very inspirational book. People are going to be upset because there's a, a bunch of expletives in there. But the message of the book, I think, is very important. And I think it's going to resonate. And Ned Smith, I'm not going to answer this question, but you're pretty much right. Um, Mitch Album wrote Tuesdays with Maury. He is the person I'm, you know, I've been in touch with. Really good guy. And, uh, we're going to get him on the show in January. He has a new book called The Little Liar. So check it out. Uh, he has sold, just so you know, uh, total, he has sold 40 million books. But Tuesdays with Maury is the best-selling memoir of all time. And I was inspired by his book to write Surviving the Survivor. He was really my inspiration. So um, I would love for everyone to read it, pass it around, give it out as gifts. It's going to be available on Amazon in paperback and hardcover in a couple of weeks. And the actual book will be out Father's Day 2024. And I'm gearing Carm up because we've got to go on a book tour. And I told her to gather up her energy because she's going to uh, need to do that. One final question. This is an insane question, but a newsletter is coming out. Are you subscribed? Uh, you need to subscribe. COE, if they're not subscribed, how do they get us? You need to get us your emails, surviving the survivor at Gmail, surviving the survivor at Gmail. If you want to get on the list, we are uh, growing quickly. And the COE is all over everything, as is Space Coast on the West Coast. Brady Star, this final question. There was a point where Donna. Um, Dr. J was threatening to dress up the two young Markel boys now who go by Adelson into Nazi uniforms. I mean, that's as crazy as it gets. What did you think of that? What does that tell you about the dysfunctional level of this family? And what does it tell you that you know someone, but you don't really know someone, right? Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of right in line with the kind of biting sar sarcasm that you know will offend really quickly. And the Markels being obviously significantly more religious than, than the Adelsons, uh, kind of just saying something that's just so offensive, overtly offensive, that that doesn't surprise me. Uh, I wouldn't really say that they're anti-Semitic Jews. I think that they just knew what to say to be offensive really quickly and really biting. Uh, by the way, I have no idea what Discord is. I very, very vaguely have an idea, but we have a, a disc. I don't know if you call it a Discord. Do you know what Discord is, Jay? You're younger than me. Are you familiar with Discord? No, it's funny. Somebody just asked. I was in surgery the other day, and somebody asked me um, if I was on Discord, and, and um, I said, actually, my response was no. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I've heard of it, but. When you're in surgery and people are like under, do you do crazy things? Like, do we need to not trust doctors when, when yeah. they're. I, uh, I dance. Uh, I only do surgery in, in, in my bikini. Um, mm. Lights low. Um, and then, uh, and then I get to fix, uh, fix kids teeth. Um, no, sometimes there's some music going on, but, uh, 
it's uh, it's usually a, a pretty fun atmosphere. And then afterwards, kids get, you know, all they want for Christmas is their two front teeth. Sometimes I can give it to them. There you go. And by the way, we had a PSS, Philadelphia shoulder surgeon. That's so hard for me to say. I do not know why. Uh, she's She does surgery on shoulders, Jay. And she said she was listening to STS. And I'm like, I hope you're not doing this in the OR. And she said something along the lines of, you have no idea what goes on in the OR. And I said to myself, I hope I never have surgery again. I don't think I've ever had surgery, but I never want to have surgery. So uh, there you go. Um, a, lot Jay, a lot more tension with, with, with surgeons and orthopedic surgeons. Um, I've seen instruments and sharp instruments thrown and expletives. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to stay away from that, but you do carry a drill. Uh, by the way, the COE said, don't email us. I'm not T-Pain, one of the best mods to ever live. Click also the meme queen. Click this link to sign up your email for all of STS's future newsletters and updates sent right to your inbox. I don't know how you even, what do you do right now? Do you get a pen and do you write down HTTPS colon blah, blah, blah? Do you have to write this all down? You can't click on this. I don't understand how any of this technology works, but sign up because if Carmen and I do a book tour, we're going to come to a city near you and we're going to email you and we're going to let you know, but please spread the word about the book. My mom is telling me, please shut up. Uh, stop talking about it. And I refuse to do that. It's in the chat. So I don't know what that means, but it's in the chat. Dr. J, uh, your final thoughts today. You knew Charlie Adelson in person before you give us your final thoughts. Quick reminder, live tomorrow, 1230 PM Eastern with Scott and Phil. We're looking at Brian Koberger. We're getting away from uh, Dan Markell and Charlie Adelson, at least for a little bit. On Monday night, that's Christmas night, live show with me and Carm, 2 p.m. Eastern. It's Christmas Day. The COE, she's smart. She said on the West Coast, it's going to be morning. They're going to be still sleeping from Christmas Eve. And on the East Coast, if we do it too late, they're going to be having dinner. And she said people overseas, Two o'clock is the time, so two o'clock is the time. And then Tuesday, we've got someone that intimately knew Wendy and Charlie, went to high school with Charlie. Uh, it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one show, live show with questions inside the Adelson Circle. And next Wednesday, you're going to see the uh, JAPCO event that went down last night in Sunrise. Now that I am done, Dr. J, your final thoughts on this momentous show. Thank you again for being here. So very quickly, got to give a huge shout out again to my wife, Brooke, who is now been alone for two hours with my five and seven year old and she's pregnant. So please pray for her that when I come back, the house does not burn down. So congrats, when's, the baby, when's the baby do? March. Congrats. Congrats. So, I might be I might be getting a new puppy in March, but my mom doesn't know that yet. Um, I don't like just one dog, Jay. I like two. So they have friends. That's that's well, muzzle tough. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll both be giving birth. Oh, she knows now. She's at, at my mother's place. So that's a problem. Uh, look at this. Looking forward to Joel's book. Uh, I don't know where that went, but thank you. Uh, March is my birthday, too. Uh, we'll both be giving birth to new children. Um, I won't be doing the birthing, though, Dr. Uh, Dr. J. But please come back on. Uh, join us again. Love having you here. What's your wife's name again? First name? Brooke. 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 Thank you very much for loaning out your husband. Brooke's very fascinated by this case, isn't she? Didn't you say she listened? She's very fascinated. She's got, I mean, she's she's got one ear in 24 hours a day. Even when she's cleaning teeth with me, uh, she's very fascinated with us. She's a true, true crime junkie. 
I would love to go to San Antonio, Ned Smith. I got to meet Ned Smith, but someone asked if we're going to Canada. I'm going to Canada sooner than you think. My kids are Miami kids. So they said, hey, we want to experience cold. My four, soon to be five-year-old said, I've got just the jacket for Canada. And he held up a hoodie. And I said, dude, that is not going to cut it in Canada. Um, someone from Canada actually wrote to me the other day and said, you might want to reconsider. You probably won't be able to do anything outside. And I said, that's okay. I'll just sit in my hotel room um, for six days and I will send my kids and my wife around. But we're going up to Montreal to experience cold weather. I would love to go to Scotland. I've been to Edinburgh and uh, it's going to be a world tour, a global tour. I have a very humble goal, Jay. Uh, Mitch Album has collectively sold 40 million books. I'm going to sell 40 million and one copies of Surviving the Survivor. Yeah. Thank you. Please, um, I'll have you hand them out at uh, at the dental office. By the way, you know, I went, to, I went to school in Montreal. I went to McGill. Yeah, there you go. McGill, it's the Harvard. It's the Harvard of Canada. Dr. J has to go. His COE needs him, I'm sure. Till next time, everybody. Love you, America. Love you, Louisville, Kentucky. Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Tallahassee, Florida. Justice, Denmark. Hang on a second.